0: Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Tim. Thank you, praise and worship. Wonderful job. And good morning, ARC, and welcome to our guests. This is part three that we'll be going through of our five Ms of the New Year series on Jesus and the five M. So our five Ms are what are our five objectives of a church. And we use these five objectives in order to achieve our mission. And our mission is to glorify God by making disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ from the four corners of the block to the four corners of the globe. So it's only right that we look to Jesus to find out how he would achieve these five objectives of sharing the message of the gospel, showing mercy to our neighbor, shepherding one another to maturity, seeking to multiply leaders and sending missionaries to all nations. So Today, like I said, we're on number three of five, We're shepherding one another to maturity. So we will be coming from Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21 this morning. But before we dive in and feast on God's word, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from your mouth. We thank you, Lord, for your living word that sustains us, that nourishes us, corrects us, encourages us, and sanctifies us. And I pray, God, for our understanding. And not just our understanding today, but our application for tomorrow. That we as a body would grow into spiritual maturity and be equipped to do the work of the ministry that you have called us to do here in Southeast D.C. and to the ends of the world. Lord, I ask that you would allow me to decrease and I pray that you would increase, Lord. Speak for your children have gathered to hear your word. Allow us to have ears of faith and eyes to behold your marvelous truths and hands and feet ready to obey. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So a man in South Korea who pretended to be blind for eight years to get state benefits was just recently caught by his neighbor, when he was driving a car. And after the police checked them, they confirmed the man did have an eye disease and he needed to wear glasses, but they determined that he was not blind. See, there's a difference between being blind and having blurred vision. The scripture says in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So when Jesus, God in the flesh, walked among men, his light Repelled men. His light drew men. His light blinded men. And his light gave clarity to men. You see, light has a way of determining blindness from blurred vision. For example, in the passage right before the text that we're going to read today, Jesus is met by a Pharisee. And yet again, starting in verse 11, it says, And he began to argue with Jesus. The text says in verse 11 that he was seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Again, another one who would come up and test the teacher. And Jesus had just done miracle after miracle and sign after sign. And yet the Pharisee wanted him to perform another one. Like Jesus is some sort of magician or personal flunky. Another sign for what? It says to test him. And this was definitely not from a pure motive, but from a hardened heart. The brashness, the blindness, the boldness of that was so overwhelming to the point that in verse 12, Jesus sighed deeply in his spirit and said, why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again and went to the other side. This is a sad ending to a sad state of being. You can only imagine the level of unbelief and hardness of heart that would cause the son of God to sigh. Family, a hard heart has consequences. It leads to spiritual darkness and spiritual blindness. And it can be hard to discern within ourselves, either because of spiritual immaturity, faulty memory, or blind spots, or all three. And in that way, the disciples in this text that we're gonna read today actually serves as an example. And Mark wants us to see in this passage and ask, what can be done about our blind spots and how can we grow? What can be done about our blind spots and how can we grow? Let's look at the text in Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. This is God's word. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Do you not yet understand? So the reality is, when we all start off in life, when we're born, we have spiritual blindness and experience spiritual dullness to varying degrees in our life. And as we seek to shepherd one another to maturity here at ARC, we can learn several things from this exchange with Jesus and his disciples. There are three lessons to learn in our journey to address blind spots and to grow in Christ. Number one, don't hear what Jesus says, but get clarity in order to understand. Get clarity to understand. Verse 14 and 16, it says, now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat, and he cautioned them, saying, watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod, and they began discussing with one another the fact they had no bread. Now, this is both comical and sad at the same time, to be truthful. You can imagine the scene, 12 fully grown men in Jesus in one boat with one loaf of bread. Like, why do they have one loaf of bread when Jesus just fed 4,000 4, people anyway? I don't know, but what I do know is that this is a problem for them. They're hungry, they've been on, on the road all day. This is just a bad combination. You can almost hear them in their dialogue with each other, right? They first call Peter because Peter's always getting blamed, like Peter. You mean to tell me after Jesus just fed 4,000 people and we had seven huge baskets left over that you only grab one loaf of bread for the ride? Man. And as they go back and forth, back and forth, pointing the finger at who was in charge of the bread, Jesus used this as a teachable moment. See, when Jesus speaks, he expects you to get it. He wants you to both hear and to understand. He is the master, but he's also the master teacher. He, usually, er, he used earthly examples for heavenly meetings. He uses illustrations. He uses object lessons, even bread, to get his point across. His words are important. On the Mount of Transfiguration, the father spoke from heaven and said this of his son, listen to him. So when Jesus says, watch out, beware, all eyes and ears should be on him, both in the disciples' case and for our sake. So Jesus uses this as an opportunity to warn them of the obstacles that could hinder their growth. Jesus calls this the leaven of the Pharisees and Herodians. The parallel text in Matthew 16 says the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, they were like the three-headed monster that continually opposed Jesus and his mission. They had power, they had authority, both over religious spheres as well as in the political matters, and Jesus was a threat, a threat that had to be dealt with. Now, among them, they had major differences in what they believed, but they rallied around two things. One was the rejection of Jesus as Christ and Lord and the plot and plan to kill him. Mark 3 verse 6 gives insight where he says the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him, enemies that found a bond around hatred. And it's no wonder that we see the same thing today. In the workplace, you have different religions, beliefs, and philosophies floating all around. But as soon as you mention Jesus, they all come after you. So take heart, brother. Take heart, sister. You are in good company. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to also persecute you. They wanted to destroy, to make Jesus disappear, to cease to exist by any means necessary, even to the point of violence. And Jesus said, beware, beware, not not for the physical threat, as bad as that was, but something, something far beyond even that. It was their teaching, to beware of their teaching. Leaven is the same thing as yeast, it's used to rise and it's used to spread. And usually, and and Jesus using this illustration was really a beautiful example of what he was saying, that leaven has a way of moving in silently. You see, teaching has a way of producing spiritual fruit or spiritual blindness. And it's not until you look back over your life that you see the results. So Jesus wanted fruit, but the Pharisees, the Sadducees and Herodians were the definition of the blind leading the blind. Their teaching was full of hypocrisy and unbelief, just like the character of their teachers. And Jesus said, beware of that leaven because it can rise up and it can spread out even among you. Beware. Matthew 7, verse 15 to 20, Jesus gives us info on how we can discern the leaven of today. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruits, you will recognize them. So family, when you're thinking about shepherding one another to maturity, be careful of feasting on random teachers on the internet. TikTok has some good information out there, don't get me wrong, but they also have some very bad information. But that's like anything, you want to be careful in discerning of what's good, what's bad. But what you eat spiritually can either make you sick or stunt your growth. And we don't want to see that spread among you. Now, the disciples heard, but the disciples did not understand Jesus. They were still going on about this loaf of bread. And there's a difference between hearing and understanding. You see, this was a major issue, even in the series so far that we've seen. Nicodemus, you remember him when he heard about being born again, but he thought it meant entering into his mother's womb for a second time? Remember the lawyer we talked about last week that approached Jesus? He got the right answer, but he got the wrong answer understanding. And Jesus was concerned about the spiritual condition of the disciples, but the disciples was concerned about bread. How often are we concerned about bread? Whether the claims of prosperity preachers, the claims of politicians, or the so-called popular influences on social media, the things that we see are passing away, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And Jesus warns, beware, beware of the leaven of this age. It's viral and it spreads. It influences far and wide. And before you know it, you're sounding like them. You're promoting their agenda. And Jesus warns that it hinders growth and it causes confusion and leads to spiritual blindness. So let us encourage one another to be Bereans. Paul said they were more noble than the Thessalonians. Why? Because they received the word with eagerness. They examined the scriptures daily to see if the Apostle Paul himself was right. So in all our getting, let us get clarity. Let us get understanding. And this is what we want to do here at ARC as we shepherd one another to maturity. And the the way that we do that is within community. We each have a personal responsibility to pursue this. So just as a word of encouragement to the church. See what separates disciples from Pharisees, spiritual blindness from spiritual blind spots is the question of whether we are humble enough to say and to receive help and understanding. Humble enough to reach out if we're struggling, if, 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 if we are going through something because we all do at different points in different areas of our life. Whether it's moms or dads struggling with parenting whether it's a new parent just starting out parenting older children and they seem to be losing their way, reach out. There's prayer, encouragement, resources, and church family that are here to help. Are you single, lonely, isolated? Now we've all been single at one point in our lives and some people are very intentional about inviting themselves over and inserting themselves in with other families and other groups and i say praise god do more of that that's all good go for it but then there are those that are like i don't even know where to start i don't know how to even engage in that way my personality my temperament all of these things are working against me and i feel you that comes easier to some than it does to others And we hope that we would all grow to see one another as family, but truth be told, the pandemic has not made that any easier. But like my brother, Pastor Tim said, we have a church directory. And in that directory, there's emails and phone numbers and all kinds of things like that. So reach out via text or email to someone if that's easier for you and let them know, I'm putting the sermon application, I'm putting this sermon into application today. And I'm reaching out to get to know you. Then ask them, are you comfortable with in-person or Zoom? Give them them an option, but it's going to happen because this is who we are. We're family, and this is how we grow to maturity. New husbands, new wife, new married uh, folks, that brings new frustrations. And whatever season you're in in marriage, please know that someone has already been there and by God's grace has done that and can help you'd be surprised at what couples have faced and overcome together. Reach out for clarity, reach out for understanding to how to love and serve one another better. As people come to you, let us remember to be patient and that blind spots are blind for a reason. They don't see it. You don't know what you don't know. So for those of us who are a little further along or who have been at ARC for some time, Let us also reach out and not as one who has arrived, but as ones who have learned some things along the journey. And I'm reminded of Peter when Satan sifted him, right? Jesus said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers, strengthen your brothers. That's Luke 22, 31 to 34. See, God does not waste anything. The mistakes you made, the lessons you learned, were not just for you, but to serve and strengthen your brothers. So be encouraged to use the good, the bad, the ugly things in the path to give clarity and understanding as we seek to shepherd one another to maturity. Another effective means by which we grow is by loving correction. Number two, loving correction. It's not popular, but oh, when you look back on your life... (laughs) This is where you probably experience the most spiritual growth. See there in verse 17 and 18, we see a rebuke from Jesus. And now it's something about getting spanked and asking questions at the same time. I see, I see some people know about that. And some of you all can relate. And I'm not sure if mothers or fathers actually got this technique from the scriptures, but here Jesus rebukes with a series of questions. Now he does this not in a way to embarrass but in a carefully measured way to get at the heart. See there in the text it says, do you still not see? Do you still not understand? Are your hearts hardened? Can you not see? Can you not hear? Don't you remember? This rebuke comes not to condemn them, but to show them their condition. The words were a trigger because Jesus used the same language, the same words, with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and Herodians in chapter four. But now he's applying it directly to his disciples. And what's interesting is he's alluding to Jeremiah chapter five, verse 21, and others like Isaiah and Ezekiel, where the prophet was preaching to warn and to correct using this kind of formative discipline to the rebellious, hard headed people of God to turn before he uses corrective discipline of captivity. And he says, hear this, O foolish and senseless people, who have eyes but see not, who have ears but hear not. And in verse 23 of Jeremiah 5, it says, but these people had a stubborn and rebellious heart. They have turned aside and gone astray. The word of God serves as formative discipline. And Jesus is saying to his disciples, listen, learn, and understand what I'm saying and adjust your lives accordingly. Do you realize that this discipline is a blessing, even in our lives? In Psalm 94, verse 12 and 13, it says, blessed is the one you discipline, Lord, the one you teach from your law, you grant them relief from days of trouble. So everyone sitting under the word of God, even today is receiving the blessing of formative discipline. God in his kindness gives us warning, Admonitions, encouragements from his word. Now, discipline looks different for different people. Some kinds or some kids are good with just the rebuke of the mama stare. You all are familiar with that. One glance, that's all it takes, and it's like a death stare. But others require a good verbal warning, and what is said is understood immediately. There's no guesswork in the warning, and the follow through is on point. But then, There are those who need something just a little bit stronger. Where's my hard-headed saints? Wave your hand at me. All right. My people used to say a hard head makes a soft behind. And The goal of Jesus' rebuke is not to correct a hard head, but rather a hard heart. And this is where the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the Herodians were. They had head knowledge, but failure to understand and failure to apply leads to hardness of heart self-deception. James says it like this. He says, don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Like a man who looks in the mirror, forget what he looks like. That man is self-deceived. Jesus did not want that for his disciples, so he chose the gentle rebuke of discipline. And Jesus disciplines those that are his. In fact, by practicing discipline, whether formative or corrective, is actually a very loving thing to do. And if it's loving not, if it's unloving not to do, then it must be loving to do. Hebrews 12, 6 says, God disciplines those he loves. Just to remind you, if you, brothers or sisters, are under discipline or have gone through discipline before, know that God loves you. Let me say it again. God loves you. He's treating you as legitimate beloved sons who, yes, want to correct behavior, but also wants a softened Heart. And kids, if you're on restriction or under discipline from your parents, know that they love you and that they care for you. They 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 care enough to get your attention and to show you that you're actually going the wrong way, a way that leads to hurt, harm, or even danger. And yes, they want to change in behavior, but also they want to have want you to have a softened heart too. It's not easy. Hebrews 12:11 says that it's hard but it reaps a harvest, a harvest of spiritual growth. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Receive Jesus' discipline as proof of sonship and as an opportunity to grow. So question, have you lovingly and gently had to correct someone before? Have you ever received correction from someone before how did you receive it how did you give it Galatians 6:1 says brothers if anyone is caught in a transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness but keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted this is a delicate and gentle work with the aim of restoration and a heart of humility not judgmental but in humility knowing that no one is immune to falling to sin Know the heart behind the discipline and take it as an opportunity to grow into maturity. God uses rebukes. God uses discipline, painful lesson. He uses them to break shape and to transform us, to expose some things and to grow us up. Rarely does he use comfortable situations to mature us. It's not meant to scare you, but it is meant to give you perspective. Perspective in the midst of life, whether affliction, persecution, harm from the very people you're trying to love, formative or corrective discipline, God uses all of that brokenness for something beautiful. So in our journey to grow in Christ, to shepherd one another to maturity, number one, don't hear what Jesus says, but get clarity and understanding. Number two, a rebuke from Jesus in whatever form that it takes is actually an opportunity to grow. And lastly, number three, learn the lesson, and apply the truth of being content in Christ. Verse 19 and 21, Jesus says, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? So Jesus first addressed the spiritual issue, and now he's addressing the physical provisions. How quickly we forget things and need constant reminding. And this is what Jesus is addressing to the disciples' concern over this one loaf of bread. And they had seen his compassion to feed at least 9,000 people with 19 baskets left over. Could they also not trust him in this situation? This is a significant point Jesus had to correct because their narrow focus caused them to miss the big picture. When your attention is so divided that it distracts you from Jesus and his word, your spiritual growth becomes stunning. His point was for the disciples was to learn the lesson of contentment and imply that truth. This, again, is an encouragement to grow. It's one thing to know. It's another thing to understand. But proof that you know and proof that you understand is in the application. Philippians chapter four, verse 11 to 13, Paul said, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstances. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance. And need. I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. Is there anything too hard for God? And this is a rock-solid contentment and conviction of God's provision. And the lesson is knowing and trusting Jesus enables us to live just like that. Knowing and trusting in him, and we can live like that. So praise God for the one loaf, but in their limited view, they forgot who was in the boat with them. It was Jesus who made the fish and the sea that they were sailing on. It was Jesus who fed 5,000 out of five loaves. It was Jesus who fed 4,007 loaves. It was Jesus who said, don't be anxious about what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will wear, for the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So family, are there some circumstances currently that you find yourself in a season of discontentment? Is it school? I know children, I know it's hard being in person and then back online and in person and back online that that could be very frustrating. The desire for both kids and adults to see friends and family without threat of COVID transmission. Maybe your job situation is currently unstable. Well, two thoughts from the text today that can help us be rooted and grounded in our contentment in Christ. Number one, remind yourself of who God is. And number two, remind yourself how faithful he has been to supply your needs in the past. Remind yourself of who God is. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God says, whenever we do a study of God and the things of God, there is one fundamental question you need to ask during that study. What is my ultimate aim in occupying my mind with these things? What do I intend to do with my knowledge about God once I have it? Man, that's key. Because maturity is not just about growing in secondhand information. Because our knowledge about God will always be limited, but rather knowing God and being known by him is where we find contentment. Do you know God today? Do you love God? 1 Corinthians 8, 1 and 2 says, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, then he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So remember who he is. He's our provider. He's our protector. He's your ever present help in time of trouble. And number two, remind yourself of how faithful he has been to supply every need in the past. Keep a prayer journal, a diary of testimonies, whatever it takes to recall his faithfulness towards you. And you'll be surprised how good God has been, both in the yeses and the noes in prayer. We learn to trust God's future faithfulness by remembering his past faithfulness. And these habits keep us rooted and grounded in contentment. And lastly, then, verse 21, Jesus closes with, do you understand? And in the parallel story in Matthew chapter 16, verse 12, it says that they understood he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They had blind spots and they were dull in their understanding, but they learned a lesson. The lesson came by growing in clarity of their understanding, growing from correction and growing in their contentment in Christ. And this is not a part of the text that we have this morning. But Mark, who's inspired by the Holy Spirit, points out something so beautiful and encouraging in the next section in Mark, chapter eight, verse 22 to 25. If I could draw your attention there. This is right after the dialogue with his disciples. And it says, starting in verse 22, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. And then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. See, healing of the blind man in stages symbolizes the stages in which his disciples would gain spiritual understanding. This is the same with us today, family. The ability to see both physically and spiritually is only a gift of God that can only happen by the repeated touch of Jesus. Mark is teaching us that spiritual growth is a process, a process we now call sanctification. And the Lord uses clarity. He uses correction, contentment, so that you can grow up and then go out. And this helps us with blind spots that we all have as Christians. But those with blindness, only the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ has the power to open those eyes. And in Jesus' life and work, he confirmed the good news with miracles. In John chapter 10, verse 38, he said, even though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is with me and I am with the father. Jesus, during his life and ministry, proved who he said that he is over and over again. But for those whose hearts were hardened, they remained in that state of spiritual blindness. So to my friends that are not Christians, have any spiritual blind spots been revealed in your life today, even in our time together? How is your heart? The Bible, God's word says in the book of Hebrews, the day you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Do you believe that Jesus came to heal you from your sin, your rebellion against God and to give you spiritual sight? It wasn't until Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead on the third day that the spiritual blinders came off for his disciples. This can happen for you today. Repent, turn from your sins, and trust in Jesus, and you will be brought out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If that's you, that's good news. Let the Christian friend know who invited you and press into Jesus. And for us that are Christians, we're not perfect, but we are forgiven. That's also good news. But we are to grow in love and understanding of God and with his people in the church. And this is what we're after here at ARC. We want to shepherd one another to maturity. So I have much to be encouraged about that we are doing here already as a church family. But my prayer for 2022 is that there will be more and more of God's grace poured out in this way. So ARC shepherds one another to maturity by means of discipleship. And that's done in two primary ways. One is in smaller groups and another is in larger groups. But the key is relationships with one another relationships with one another. Spiritual growth is done in community, but the community is not responsible for the spiritual growth. There's a difference, right? It's a responsibility that we cannot delegate. We all have to give an account before God personally for our stagnation or our lukewarmness. So this is why this M is so important and why we want to introduce to some and remind others of some ways we hope to shepherd one another in that way. And one of those ways is through our men's and women's groups. ARC launched our women's group with the aim to see our women flourish. So in application to Titus 2, we wanted to see women discipling women. And it started out with the Titus 2 ministry, where the pastors would meet with older ladies of the church once a month to go through books concerning character, conviction, and competency. And they, in turn, would then disciple the younger women. That ministry has been on hiatus since COVID, but I'm happy to report that it has now been relaunched. Praise God. God. So be on the lookout for further details soon. That ministry over the years then developed and then expanded by God's grace to include women's ministries and meetings and retreats and all kinds of fellowships that now make up our women's ministry. The men's ministry, Salt Salt Life Brothers, their goal is to encourage men in building relationships and to address a range of topics that's geared towards men. They meet quarterly, but in between time, they form these triad groups for weekly prayer, for fellowship, support. It's a newer group, but they've already been a blessing to the body. Amen? And our smaller groups follow the example of our Know, Grow, and Go model. Number one is our follow-up groups. The first 12 weeks after membership, everyone goes through this type of follow-up group. It's about 12 weeks in length, and the purpose is to cover the basics of Christian beliefs, get to know each other and the leaders here at ARC and learn about our church life. Number two is our growth group. Unlike follow-up groups, these tend to last for a couple of years, and they discuss a wider range of topics. Some of those topics include marriage and prayer, stewardship, and just overall fellowship and discipleship. And number three is lastly is our training groups. As we move from knowing and growing, the hope is that we would shepherd one another to active disciple making and ministry in the church. The purpose is to equip Christians for increased leadership and service responsibility. And this is how we plan to shepherd one another to maturity, to create a stream of people that flow from unbelief to faith, from faith to growth and in growth to mission. The body working together. So the popular idea of me and Jesus and I don't need the church is actually false. That's false. God uses people and our lives to grow us. When we do life together, God uses even the friction and the disagreements and those not like you to bring out hidden sin to the surface. So please, please hear this. He gives us an opportunity to deal with our sin in those situations to love and care for each other through the mess, through the mess. This is why we have a church membership and we covenant together. So whether you've been with us in person or online for some time, I encourage you to take a step in joining us. And one way to do that is to come to our new members class. That class doesn't make you a member, but it does give us an opportunity to get to know you and for you to get to know us. And if being a part of a local body is right and obedient, then not being a covenant member with accountability and protection is wrong and disobedient. Don't play the fence, don't play the gray areas is dangerous. All right? Take a first step. Ephesians chapter four, which Tim read earlier, says that the whole body, each member, would grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So let us as a church family seek clarity, correction, contentment, as we know one another more deeply, as we grow together as a family, and as we go serve our neighbors and our nations. Let us pray. Once again, God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for the, the blessing of the discipline of your word. I pray that the good seed of your word will fall on good soil. Protect us, Lord, from the birds of prey that would seek to snatch it away, cause it to have deep roots within our hearts and that it will produce a harvest of 60, 80, 100 fold for your glory, for our joy, and for the growth of your church in Jesus' name, amen.